Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Did you know that as of right this second, Chad Cool is projected, and I'm underscoring projected, to make $3.1 million to pitch in Pittsburgh next summer. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. We've been talking a lot about payroll lately, but it's been pretty well received. And, you know, we've got a few months until pitchers and catchers start popping their trunks in the parking lots of Bradenton. So I'm going to stick with this for a little while longer. I was going through some data yesterday of existing actual payroll numbers, meaning how much people made, but also what they're projected to make the following year. Obviously, when you're talking about projections, you're not talking about anything that's been signed. And if you go over the the Pirates' roster, I'm sorry to be laughing in advance here, but you'll be laughing with me in a second. The Pirates' payroll list from top to bottom. At the top is Brian Reynolds, which, again, we're talking about projections here. And he's listed, this is on Track at $4.5 million based on what he'd get in his first year of arbitration. I think he might actually do even better than that. Because you can make an argument that he was one of the top 10 players in baseball this season. And when you couple that with how well he performed as a rookie in 2019, you have a pretty nice case for yourself. But nonetheless, he's at the top. Then comes Colin Moran, and then Chad Cool, your third highest paid player. And right after him, just a hundred grand below, is Ben Gamble at three million. Now I am all in favor of keeping Gamble, but the reason that I bring this up is absolutely not to pick on Cool or whatever else. This is one of the nicest humans you will ever encounter. This is like when you have to criticize Cole Tucker or Kevin Newman and it just eats you alive like you're just a terrible person for even thinking anything negative about them because they're so awesome, and they are. But that's kind of part of this job. 
and Cool's performance this year absolutely did not in any way, shape, or form warrant being tendered, which is what would have to happen here. And that's how his salary figure is projected to be that. He was at 2.1 this year, and that was an overpayment. He's 28 years old. He had a full season in which to show that he could start, and you don't have to wonder whether or not management, and Derek Shelton in particular, believed he can start since they took that away from him and put him out in the pen. And he was no better in the pen. He was arguably worse in the pen. Giving up home run after home run after home run, often in the worst situations or times. There is no chance you tender this individual. But even that is not why I'm bringing this up today. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone, home of the city's best baseball environment for an eatery. And I can't imagine that it's got anything close to it in terms of competition in this way. Just a wonderful place to be. For a baseball fan, whether you're watching a playoff game or or just while you're waiting on your order, walking around looking at the Pirates memorabilia that's there front to back, it's awesome. Personal collection of Mike Sukic, the owner. Um, loves his place, also loves the team that's headquartered right across the street from him. Check out North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. The real reason that I bring this up is that I started doing these tabulations. These were really rough. Okay, this wasn't, you know, me sitting there with spreadsheets and counting decimal points and uh, how much per diem the players are going to get and stuff like that. I, this is just the rawest of raw figures. And this payroll list for the Pirates in 2022 which counts these guys, like Cool, like Gamel, as being tendered through arbitration, which are not givens. There's a reason I've been pushing this Gamel thing, okay? Because I don't see it as a slam dunk, meaning from the Pirates' perspective. I hope that they do it. Doesn't mean they will. As you're going down this list and you get to the bottom and you see what the math is, it was still less than $30 million. That's with all these guys getting tendered. It was less than $30 million to keep the guys that you already have on your roster. Meaning the guys that you'd want to keep. Less than $30 million. Now, if you take out Cool and his $3 million and a couple of other uh, Chase and Shreve at $2 million and change, no thanks. You, you just work your way down this list. You see, you, you get rid of 10 million just like that. Now you're at 20. And no, I'm not saying any of this to get Bob Nutting excited, okay? I'm saying this to illustrate that if you go by the payroll number that I really hope the Pirates ascend to in 2022, that being 70 million, I'm on the record as saying that, that would represent 
an increase of almost 20 million from what it was this year, and it was 51 and change, then you actually have like money to spend. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. If the pirates took their payroll to 70 million, they would have money to spend on actual baseball players from the outside to fill some or all of these holes that exist. Ahem, left field, ahem, right field, you know, like that. But you could also go get yourself a starting pitcher, a real live starting pitcher. You could fill your bullpen up. The most expensive parts of the bullpen are already taken because you have David Bednar as a closer. You have Chris Stratton as a closer slash setup guy, depending on how it is that Shelton would utilize them. What do you need to get? Just a bunch of one-year guys. You never signed a reliever for more than one year. Get yourself a bunch of one-year guys that are right in the 1.5 range or whatever it is. Make sure you're not blocking any prospects, meaning from pitching in your pen. Not bad, right? Not bad. What's a starting pitcher cost? Well, if you've got $50 million or so in free cash, it doesn't really matter, right? They could have gotten Trevor Bauer. <laughs> what, what did he get in L.A. this year? One year for, uh, for $40 million? Bet he wishes he'd taken that long-term deal now with all the trouble he got himself into. But here they are. This is, this is not... This is not a situation that's just completely hopeless. And this is the advantage, by the way, of doing these strip downs because you gradually get rid of all the contracts that you genuinely don't want, not just the ones you don't want because you're trying to be cheap or whatever, but like the ones you don't want because it's the Gregory Polanco deal. Like that. The $11 million that's just taking up a quarter of your payroll can't, can't do that. This way, you look at these guys and you make intelligent decisions, and then from there you make damn sure that whenever you are adding guys from the outside that you're not doing stupid things there either. But I, I could see this payroll turning into a positive by the time we're all getting serious about this in mid-February. When we come back, just one question. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That comes today from Grady, who asks... Pirates will emphasize winning games a little more and de-emphasize auditioning players. It seemed like they would use pitchers in different situations to see how they would react. That is accurate, 
Grady. I hated watching this stuff. I understood why they did it. But as someone who has loved sports all his life at all levels and who sees only winning and losing as an outcome, even in sports that allow ties, it was just terrible, terrible watching all these Kyle Kellers and Nick Mearses and these guys that would just come in and just pour lighter fluid all over everything. Just, just awful. And one of the ugliest components to it is that as you're watching it, you can't help but wonder what's going through Shelton's head. Meaning, is he okay with this? And if he is okay with this, how can he be okay with it? How can you be that on board to a company plan that isn't focused on winning the game that's right in freaking front of you? I've gotten to know Shelton pretty well in his couple of years here. I believe him to be a man of impeccable integrity. I believe that when the time comes, it'll be seen how badly he wants to win. But uh, it's, it's just so wild to watch it at the major league level. I don't have a firm answer for you on how they'll approach these things in 2022. I do have a very firm answer, however, on how I feel about it. It's time. It's time. Turn the page on bringing in every crap reliever out there and just throwing them out there in a bunch of different situations and whatever else here. I understand what happened this year with the trades at the deadline, Richard Rodriguez being moved, other guys getting hurt. Sam Howard went on the IL for a while. And you had to do some different things. And you didn't have much. I mean, when Chase and Shreve was your go-to guy night after night after night, speaking respectfully here, you don't have much. There aren't a whole lot of options for the manager. But even then, there were usages, and I know that this is what you're describing here, that really made you go, what? You're doing what? Why? And why would I, as a paying customer, sit here and watch this? I'm out of here. I'll see you. I'll see you in two years. I believe that this really needs to happen immediately, meaning from the outset in 2022. I believe that in part because of what I mentioned in the opening segment, that the Pirates can afford, more than afford, to put out a team that's a lot better filled at a lot more roster spots than the one this year was. I was about to say competitive. I don't, I'm not getting any kind of predictions. It's October. 
And the other reason is that I just in general don't see how anyone around here is going to stomach it. And I do believe that it will have an impact, the negative public reaction to what the Pirates are trying to build. Our city isn't filled with Baseball America subscribers. It's just not. It's just not. You and I can enjoy that stuff, and you and I can pay attention to the minors or whatever, but that's that's not the common sports fan in town. And you do have to make sure that you're putting something together that is perceived in addition to having it be reality as a product that's prioritizing gasp winning winning the game that's right in front of you i don't think they can get away with that stuff for another year is what i'm saying 2020 was different 60 games everybody was just happy to see baseball nobody was in the stands whatever this year, you had some of that component early on, pandemic impact and everything. So this was kind of seen, I think, by a lot of people as the honeymoon year. Like, just let them do whatever it is that they need to do. Not next year. I'm sorry. Not next year. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening. It's a Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow.